This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, good morning, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture Spell the Rushing here. We're going to be talking about gardening. I hope you've got some stuff on your mind because here it is, uh, the real dog days of July. We're stretching to August. Not a whole lot practical you can do other than just maintain what you've got, whether it's mowing or pruning or weeding or, you know, there's some things you could be planting right now, you know, to get ready for fall. But we've still got two or three more weeks before the end of I recommend you plant tomatoes and peppers for fall. So we've got plenty of time for fall. Right now it's more about looking for bugs keeping track of things, giving plants a good deep soaking. And these are the kind of things, if you have questions about it, if you've got diseases or blights or bugs or something like that, you give me a call about that. I've got a little training in entomology and plant pathology, but a lot of experience in, in squishing bugs in my own garden, watching leaf diseases and foliage problems. You know, I'm a gardener. Horticulture is one thing, but, you know, that's about crop production. When it gets off of work, I'm just a gardener, water my own plants, pull my own weeds, that kind of thing. So if you've got questions about a practical approach, I try to give you the advice that I would give myself or my mother. Uh, if you want a technical thing, I might be able to help you that. Otherwise, I can sure find out. But the main thing is the call-in program. Give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. RING stands for dial it up, I guess. MPB is from Mississippi. Public Broadcasting, one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, I know we got plenty of folks who've got things going on because I've been getting tons of emails. Uh, I, I answer emails literally all week long, uh, including some just this morning. If you want to shoot me an email sometime, you don't feel like talking on the radio or maybe you want to get a little bit more in-depth detail, it's real easy. Garden at mpbonline.org. Garden at mpbonline.org. Get a whole lot of stuff. If it's about a disease or a plant or a bug or something, I appreciate if you can include a really clear, close-up picture of it. That helps a whole lot. That way, if I don't know something, if I want to afford it to somebody else, you know, then you know, between us, we can try to figure it out. Um, meanwhile, there's some there's some unusual things going on. This is the time of year to be harvesting stuff. Uh, or if you don't harvest yourself, maybe go to a farmer's market if you got one. If you got one, you really ought to support it. But things like Smith County watermelons and sweet corn right off the plant, all those in, beans and peas, these things are showing up fresh from the garden, fresh from the farmer's garden. And uh, a real quick tip, if you're thinking about um, sweet corn or white corn, you know, you go there and they get white corn and sweet corn. What's the real difference? I mean, come on. A lot of people prefer one or the other. But is there really a difference? And it turns out, no, not really. Uh, sweet corn is sweet corn. The yellow kind has a different gene mut- mutation that causes it to produce uh, this stuff called carotene. It's what gives it the yellow color. And also, it's converted to vitamin A. So there's a slight uh, uh, improvement in the nutrition of yellow sweet corn, but it's all about the same. Uh, anyway, come on a real summer delight. Uh, if you've ever never roasted corn in the husk, what you do is you pull the husk, you leave the husk on it, you pull the husk back, pull out as many of the silt as you can, replace the hull, push them back on, and then soak it in water for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. This really helps it uh, steam a little bit juicier. Uh, you can roast it on a, 
a medium hot grill, you know, to one side of the grill for 10 or 12 minutes until it gets a little charred, you know, maybe turn it every two or three minutes. Anyway, if you put a little uh, uh, butter on some bread, if you'll butter some bread, that makes it easier to put the butter on the corn. That's an oddball thing that's not in the book. So if you had trouble keeping the butter from sliding down off the corn, Put some on a, on a piece of bread and rub it around there. Uh, that that works too. Um, anyway, I, I love to have a little what I call horticulture tidbits for the week. And uh, by the way, Java, uh, you you still there? Oh yeah, man, I'm always here. What's up? <laughs> well, I know sometimes it seems like I just blather, blather, blather. Um, one of this, uh, you know, one of the emails you forwarded me this week. Somebody called me a devil's advocate. What's up with that? Uh, I'm not sure, man. You know, people have their own opinions and, you know, hey, it's America. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, I actually looked up Devil's Advocate and come to find out I am one. But it's not that bad a thing. Uh, it's actually a compliment. Uh, these days, you call somebody Devil's Advocate means that they're mischievous or they're contradictory, just being contrary for the sake of it. But in medieval Europe, devil's advocate wasn't negative at all. It was a real person, an official of the Catholic Church. It was his job to do that. So, it, you know, I, I feel sort of special. Back in the 1500s, they had this uh, role called promoter of the faith. They called it advocatus diaboli, or devil's advocate. You know, his job was to check when somebody was going to be beatified or canonized as a saint. It was his job to dig up everything he could, including the unfavorable stuff, you know, checks and balances, uh, to make sure that they weren't going to turn somebody to saint who also had some horrible, horrible other things in their life. So basically, he was just looking for, for the good and the bad and the bad and the good, more complete picture. And I, I think that's uh, kind of what I do. Somebody says, this is a really good thing you ought to do it. I'm thinking, what are the disadvantages of doing it? If somebody says that's a really bad thing, I want to find out why, and is there a way around it to make it not so bad? Anyway, devil's advocate, advocatus diaboli, that's me. <laughs> anyway, let's go down to Mobile, Alabama. Julio has been, is it Julio or Julio? Hello? Julio? I can't tell if they're on the line, Java. Yeah, we'll put Julio back on hold, see if we can get him on. But we um, already have Robert in Jackson. He has, a, um, I guess, a question or comment about some backwoods. Okay. Hey, Robert, good morning. Boxwoods. This is just a short question about boxwoods. What is the best way to, uh, the best time of the year to trim your boxwoods, especially if you've got to cut them back a good little distance? I assume it's not yeah. now, but... I actually, I actually can do it now. And, and oddly enough, the only shrub I've got in my whole garden that's pruned into a tight meatball, which I do just to show people that I, I know what to do, is a boxwood. And it's just in a perfect, tight little meatball shape. You can cut them back to two feet tall if you want to, and they'll sprout out and start over again. The problem is it takes boxwoods a little bit longer than other shrubs to put out new growth, so people are going to talk about you a little bit longer than they normally would. If you're going to do it, you can, you can do it now, but I go ahead and get right on it because it takes, uh, oh, six weeks or so for the new growth to come out. We want time for it to toughen up before winter. So anyway, the best time would be late winter, early spring. You could do it up until, oh, the end of this month, uh, first part of August, 
and it still has time to put out new growth. No problem. Thank you very much, Felder. Thank you. Well, let me let me give you one other quick tip on that. When you cut them out really hard, it'll take forever, but when it sprouts, those new stems are going to just shoot straight up. So if you can, come back and cut the tips off the new growth. So instead of getting up long and skinny, it is get bushier quicker. So be sure to tip prune the new growth first chance you get. All righty, let's go now to Mobile. Julio, are you on the line? Hey, uh, I, I'm calling because I'm not sure if this, that I, a friend of mine told me is, is true or not. I had a lima tree that uh, was severely damaged during a frost. In fact, I thought it was gone. So I, I cut the dead tree, and, and from the bottom a new tree came about, and but never produced any fruit. Um, yeah. This friend of mine said that because it has thorns, it's a shoot that is coming from the roots. And that's what I don't understand, and yeah. that that is that is why it's not producing fruits. Is that true? Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, most citrus plants are grafted, and they're grafted onto a rootstock of a plant that has a lot of thorns, and it'll make a fruit, but it's nowhere near what you want. It's just a good, sturdy rootstock. It's usually uh, grafted about, oh, six or eight inches above the ground. If the top part gets killed, the root plant is tough as nails. It'll grow up in Tennessee. If it sprouts out, the plant's got a lot of thorns on it, that's just the rootstock. It's, it, you know, what, what you bought, the grafted part, has died and just got the rootstock growing up. It's a pretty plant. It'll bloom okay, but it's not going to be a lime. Yeah, it has a lot of thorns. Yeah, let me ask you this. Do the leaves on it, you know, most citrus like lemons and limes and oranges, their their leaves are, you know, kind of kind of biggish, but the rootstock of most of these things has a lot of thorns, but each leaf has got three leaflets on it. Have you have you noticed that? Uh, no. No, I have not looked. I have not looked. I mean, it's yeah, well, I, I bet it does. Anyway, it's real thorn. If it comes down within six inches of the ground, that's just a rootstock. You know, e- even in central Florida, they have trouble with, with uh, citrus plants, uh, you know, being damaged by cold. So every now and then we get a real winter, and down in Mobile along the Gulf Coast, we lose stuff that can norm- can make it five or six or maybe ten years till a normal winter comes along. So, you know, best thing to do is just shrug and replant. So there's nothing I can do to the plant itself. No, no, you got. Well, what, you know what they do is it's sort of like, uh, um, well, there's not a good comparison. It's just citrus plants don't grow really well on their own roots, so they cut the the top part off and they stick it on a wild citrus that's got good roots but not good fruit. They just stick them together. It's just well, grass. Okay. And okay, well, it's good to know because then I can go ahead and buy another one. But <laughs> yeah. And like I say, if if it's if it's not in a bad place, they still make pretty plants, you know. So you know, it's not a bad plant; it's just ain't a lime plant. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Okay, Julia. I appreciate Bye. your call. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okay, folks. If you want to give us a call, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We've got the uh, some lines open. Got a fellow from Pascagoula hanging on, but uh, give us a call one eight seven seven. MPB ring. Uh, in just a couple of minutes after this break, after a couple of calls, I'm going to play something that is sent in by y'all, by listeners. 
Uh, last week I had asked if anybody had, was familiar with the tune uh, that's, that's by a fellow named John Prine called Dear Abby, Dear Abby. Asked people to send in some suggested Dear Felder lyrics, and I got a ton of them. Anyway, stick with us. We're going to come up with a break. Take some phone calls to do that, but toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. You're listening to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. Okie dokie folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. I know it's really, really hot. These are what we call the dog days. And I've got a little dog day tune coming up in about, oh, 10 minutes or so. Uh, 10 or 20 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. But meanwhile, if you want to give me a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Let's go down and talk with Scott. Scott, you're down in Pascagoula, right? Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? Got a question for you about taking a cutting off of a mallow and, you know, yeah. rooting it and growing it and it, its ability to flower and all that. Will that be compromised? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's real easy. Mallows are, are, are pretty easy to root, as a matter of fact. You don't want to get that real floppy stuff at the very tip. You don't want to get the old woody stuff at the base. So if you can cut a branch off and make two or three cuttings from the middle section of it, this year's growth is kind of tough. Um, the main thing is because they got big leaves, uh, Scott, you, you want to cut most of the leaves off. And the ones that are left, I would cut them in half, cut the, the, the outer half off so that the leaves are shorter that way they won't suck that stem dry until it has a chance to grow roots. And if you're rooted in some moist potting soil in a place that's bright light but not hot sun, they'll root pretty quick. A lot of people also put up, make a little plastic tent to keep the humidity really high. But high humidity, bright indirect light, keep it moist. They root pretty quickly. Great. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Oh, there's so many different kinds of plants in that mallow family. A lot of people don't realize cotton is a mallow. Okra is a mallow. Um, hibiscus is a mallow. A lot of really good ones. We have some terrific big mallows with dinner plate-sized flowers. Anyway, staying on the Gulf Coast, let's slide over to Biloxi. Hey, David, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. What you got going on today? Man, I've got some blueberry bushes that just make a ton of berries. But the bushes are a little small, and I was told I probably need to be pruning them bushes. If that's the case, when and how much? Well, uh, you say they're small or they're tall? They're small. They're uh, you know the tallest bush is about five foot five foot tall, but about yeah. dang near five foot diameter. So I'm mean, yeah. getting well, a bunch of berries, but it seems like I'm getting it seems like I'm getting. Here's here's the deal on these things, David. A lot of blueberries get a whole lot taller than that, but some are fairly compact. It sounds like in a whether you did it on purpose or lucked up, you got some of the compact kind. And uh, so, really, the only two ways you really need to prune blueberries, if you need to, is when you get through picking uh, in June and July. As soon as you get through picking, any stuff that's getting kind of hard to reach, go ahead and reach down in the plant and cut it way back, just the tall parts way back, and then whatever's left, if you'll snip the tips off just this year's new growth, instead of it shooting long and, and tall and skinny, it'll bush out. So you know, any time from spring until the middle of the summer, you can snip the tips off new growth, 
to make them bushier for the next year, but don't do any pruning past about the end of this month because we want new growth to have time to toughen up and set flower buds before fall. So other than snipping the tips off this year's new growth, cutting out any tall stuff that, that as soon as you get through picking it, that's about all you need to do. Hello? Thank you so much. <laughs> Sometimes I just blather on and on. Uh, sorry about that, Dave. Anyway, if you have some more questions, give us a call back. Uh, by the way, folks, you can also shoot me an email, any kind of garden questions, garden at mpbonline.org. Let's go over to Columbia. Good morning, Thomas. Howdy. Good morning. Uh, every year I've always done well with my garden. Everything produced well. I'd give stuff away. So I had a soil sample, and I think I'm going to throw this at you. The lady said, put basic slag and lime on your garden. Could that have, and this year I have not produced anything hardly. I mean, nothing grows, nothing produces. Could that, what I put on there, could that have stunted it? Could could I be a detriment doing that? Not not unless you put a whole lot more of what they called for. Now, usually when they, they say you need lime, it's because your soil is acidic. Most plants don't do that. Blueberries like acidic soil, camellias. But most vegetables do well and uh, not quite so acidic. And the lime, which lasts for three or four years, counteracts the acidity of the soil. All slag does is like a fast-acting lime, and it works in the short run till your lime kicks in for the long run. So unless you overdid it, that really wouldn't be the problem. It, you know, it might just be, you know, I, I, I'm beginning a lot of calls about uh, uh, people whose plants are, are flowering and the flowers dropping off, and I'm just wondering if it's not just weather-related. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't would, be the lime of the would, would you uh, right. get another soil sample? No, no, no. Did you put the amount that they recommended? Pretty much, yes. That, that, that You're good for three or four years or more. Okay. Trust me so on maybe, that. Now, maybe one, next year I'll be better. Yeah, yeah. And here's or, or this fall. You know, you got plenty of time to, to set stuff out. If you could find a gardener that's got some some pepper plants, most of the time they've still got tomatoes, but you can set out peppers and tomatoes and other summer stuff for the next three weeks and still get a really good crop. Mm. Matter of fact, a lot of times you get a better crop in the fall than the stuff you planted in the spring. Yeah, so, so okay, don't get, but I hope I can find some plants somewhere. So, yeah, w- one other thing: uh, when you have your soil tested at, at Mississippi State, and I tested soil from Mississippi State when I worked for them, they the computer recommends a type of nitrogen called ammonium nitrate. This is an agriculture chemical. I never recommend ammonium nitrate for gardens because it's fast, it's strong, and it's temporary. So. Um, yeah. You know, if you if you use ammonium nitrate, you know, that can blow your plants up and, you know, make them big and puffy, and then they just don't – then it sort of shut down. All right. I, I, would, I wouldn't I use that is what I'm saying. All right. Well, I appreciate it, sir. Okay. Good luck, Hunter Thomas. Maybe the weather will change. Hey, Jonas. Jonas. Java, I am so sorry. Why do I keep doing that? We had, no, you didn't, You don't keep doing it. We haven't had that mistake in a while, so I, I, I agree well, to you. Well, I'm just, <laughs> it's just the, 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 the J thing, the J thing. Anyway, sorry about that. Listen, last week, you know, I threw out this idea of people sending in some lyric suggestions to go to the tune of John Prize, Dear Abby, Dear Abby. 
And boy, oh boy, have you noticed how many of those I got? Yeah, like I said, when you ask the people, they they respond. So I wasn't surprised at all, man. Well, we I, I got uh, probably a dozen and a half or so just in one week. And if anybody interested in sending some more, that'd be fine. But I got this guy named Gus Mohammed. Now, Gus has played some stuff for us before. Uh, but he's in Belzona, and he agreed to put it to, to tune and sing. And uh, it's just a little short thing. It's just two of the verses that listeners sent in celebrating the our question-and-answer type approach. So see if you can run that. This is Gus Mohammed from Belzona playing lyrics that folks you sent in here to mpbonline.org or garden at mpbonline.org. Let's, let's, let's see how it goes. Dear Felder, dear Felder, your answer too long. But your hair is just fine and you're not often wrong. Your radio friends, well, they're the best friends of all. Write you a letter, they give you a call. We're all bewildered. Bewildered, bewildered, you wrote no complaint. We are what we are, and we ain't what we ain't. As far as my hair, well, I like it long. Just like the hippie that's singing this song. Sign, dear Felder. Felder, dear Felder, I just want to shout I lost all my plants during this summer's drought I wondered if you might could give me a hand To breathe some new life into this barren land Sign, real hopeful Real hopeful, real hopeful, you have some complaint But I'm just a man, not the earth's patron saint nothing to do but just plow it in good and plan for next season you old pecker wood sign dear felder all right was that cheesy enough for you java i guess if you <laughs> we need we need we need a burger for that cheese man <laughs> well i got a whole bunch more some of them are just wow anyway gus uh He's a he's a registered nurse, but he's also a, a, an old hippie. Plays guitar in the privacy of his own home up at Bellzone. He said he would put some of these tunes. So, folks, if you got some, send them to us at garden at mpbonline dot org. Um, if you uh, if you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven MPB ring. We've got the lines wide wide open. There's a lot to be going on right now, but it's really really hot. We're in what's called the dog days. And so while you're dialing in to chat with me about your garden or emailing me about uh, stuff we could talk about, we're going to take a real quick break and listen to uh, sort of a, an Austin version of the blues about hot summertime dog days. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. We'll be right back with more of your questions about gardening right after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, enjoy that uh, Dog Days Blues. That's something uh, right out of, of Austin, Texas. Hey, if you want to give me a call and talk about what's on your gardening mind, uh, I try to give pretty good advice if I can. It's, if I don't know something, I try to find out. Now, I am opinionated, though, because on one hand, I've got horticulture training and plant pathology and entomology and turf management and weed science and soils and plant physiology and all that kind of stuff. So I'm as left brain as you can be. But on the other hand, I'm a gardener. I'm lazy. I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm gone. It's hot. And so I try to look for shortcuts. And if you want to go in either direction with me, don't feel like you need to peg me as being all one way or the other because I wear a lot of different hats. Try to anyway. If there's a chance for me to learn something, great. Give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring If you want the numbers, that's one 672 7464 Anyway, you can also shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Anybody interested in sending some more Deer Felder, Deer Felder uh, type of lyrics, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Keep it keen, of course. It's a family program, y'all. By the way, the Mississippi Press Association uh, sends uh, a weekly newspaper column of mine to the weekly and daily newspapers around the state. Uh, This week, it's about... um, uh, it's about herbs. It's about the best, easiest culinary herbs or herbs, if you want to go that way, 
for Abby's gardens. You don't want to really get into the mystique of hers. Just want a little oregano or some rosemary, basil, maybe hot pepper, something to throw into the soup or pasta sauce. Truth is, you really don't have to know much about herbs overall to use a few of them as just regular garden plants with benefits. Anyway, that's uh, sent out to all the weekly and daily newspapers in Mississippi, compliments of the Mississippi Press Association. Look forward to uh, hearing from y'all who read my columns there. And uh, if you want to give me a call live right now, the lines are wide open. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring Got the lines wide, wide open. I want to throw out one other thing. Uh, I also reluctantly started doing a garden blog, sort of like an opinion piece. Um, and I, I, I'm not one of these who's going to put out a blog every day or even every week. Every couple of three weeks, I'll add one. And it's not going to be a bunch of how-to. It's sort of a what for. Anyway, this week <clears throat> I wrote about artificial lawns. Not necessarily promoting them, but showing you some really interesting aspects and some applications where, the and I'm not talking about old-fashioned astroturf. I'm talking about the new stuff that looks feels so real, it's even got brown stuff woven into it to make it look like it's got thatch or dead grass. Anyway, if you want a little information on that, have a little fun, check out also my blog about about flower shows and garden gnomes. It's real easy, felderrushing.blog, B-L-O-G, felderrushing.blog. Meanwhile, a call came pouring in. Let's go to Brandon. Hey, Mary, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Howdy, what's up? I have good news and bad news. My, Uh-oh. my my Harlequin Beauty Bower is beautiful, and I have dozens of morning glories. I mean, dozens and of butterflies. fragrant, too. Fragrant. That but, Harlequin Glory Bower is such a fragrant plant. It is, it is lovely, all year, you know, from, from the blooms to the berries. But anyway, in addition to the butterflies, now I have caterpillars all over my Cleomis. They're eating them up. Is this, yep. I, hate, I hate to just spray them. But uh, yeah, and I'm willing well, to share. But they're eating them every one. Yeah, and, what, and which which plant are they on? The Cleomys, C L O M E. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cleomys. Well, you know, Cleomys are annuals. You can actually cut those back, and they'll bush out. You know. So okay. What That's you might want to do is yeah, just cut a few of them back, and, uh-huh. and by the time they branch back out, the caterpillars, which to be honest, it's probably just a passing thing. One butterfly can lay dozens and dozens of eggs. By the time you notice the caterpillars, they've usually done their damage and they're on their way out. So cut a few black. And uh, I would leave a few of the caterpillars or a couple of the plants with them on there just to keep that little butterfly life cycle thing going. Well, there's plenty left. My other question is, yeah. I bought a morning glory tree at the garden center sale. You know, the yeah. And it's lovely. It was about uh, two and a half feet tall when I bought it. It has gone straight up. It's like eight feet tall now, and it has beautiful yeah. plumes on it. Can I cut it back this fall and root it, or do I need to leave it alone? Help me. Does this one with the big blue flowers? Uh, big uh, pinkish lavender flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, every one that you buy is grown from a cutting, usually about a foot, foot and a half long. And if you wanted to cut it back, you have just the one? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, you can wait till fall if you want to and, and make cuttings a foot and a half or so long. And, and get this, root them in shallow water. Get you a bucket with only oh, two or three or four inches of water in it because the root's at the bottom. But uh, uh-huh. you can also cut it back now and root pieces 
and what's left will sprout out and bloom again later this summer and fall. Okay, well, it's still blooming really pretty right now, but I may get a week or so do that. Thank you so much. You bet. I appreciate it. Oh, and by the way, as far as those caterpillars, I've been squashing little green caterpillars. I'm growing garden peas, and the little caterpillars are just eating them. I go out every morning and every evening peeling back, looking for little things. Much as I love butterflies, I love my peas more. So I've been squishing with my fingers. Sorry, well, butterflies. I can do that too, but it's yucky. It is yucky, but, you know, <laughs> what can you do? So appreciate right, you calling me. Thank you. Stay, stay cool. Okay, now let's go uh, to Batesville, right on the edge of the Delta. Hey, Keith, good morning. How are you Keith. doing this morning? So far, so good. What's going on with you? Uh, I I had a question about uh, uh, about a, a crepe myrtles. Uh, uh, crepe myrtles. Uh, I, I parked my car by them, and I was wondering, don't they? Throw things on a car, don't they spit? A uh, crepe myrtles that are, are that is. Well, a- actually, it's not the crepe myrtles doing that. There's bugs on the crepe myrtles on the leaves and the twigs. They're sucking sap out of the plant, and what's coming out the other end of the bug is what's ripping on your car. It's real sticky. It's got undissolved plant sugar in it, and that's what's sticky, and that's what causes that that uh, black stuff, mold to grow on stuff too. But it's insects. Uh, that are stuck oh, in sap, and you're getting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Th- thank you much for for that. Thank, thank you, sir. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Uh, you have a great okay. morning. Okay. Good luck on it, Keith. And by the way, for those of you with the unanswered, um, the unasked question, what can you do about it? The sticky stuff that's coming out of the insects is called honeydew. You know, so it's weird, weird. But and actually, believe it or not, some of it is edible. But not that we want to do that. I'm just saying, you know, just like eating squirrels. If you get hungry enough, you might give it a try. But anyway, the stuff when it drips on the furniture or cars or things like that, it's sticky. It's just like a type of syrup. And if you want to get it off, if you wet it down and let it soak for a few minutes, then it washes right off. But uh, just like if you have some old syrup on your kitchen counter, if you drip a little water on it, give it a, a, a minute or two, it wipes right up. But right at first, it's real, real sticky. So try washing stuff down a few minutes later, rinsing it off with some clear water, and that'll help a whole bunch. Uh, meanwhile, let's slide down to Jackson. Good morning, Joe. Hey there. Good morning. Good so, morning. Yeah. How are you? What's uh, going on? The question so, is about knockout roses. Yeah. And they're not uh, re-blooming fast enough. Is there anything I can uh, put on them to make them bloom faster uh, or keep blooming more? I do uh, uh, everything I can, but it it doesn't work. Yeah, a couple of things. For one thing, if if you fertilize them too much or if you water them too much, that can cause problems. But a little bit of fertilizer... Uh, every couple of months or so, just a little bit, and then an occasional good deep soaking without letting it stay wet. Th- those will keep the plant as healthy as possible. But also you can go in and from time to time just cut some of the branches that have stopped blooming, just cut them back a little ways, a third or halfway. And by cutting those off, they'll almost immediately start putting out new growth that will bloom. So that to keep continuous blooms, it just every now and then, we just think about it, just cut a few of the old stems back, leave some of them unpruned. That way you'll always have new flowering stems com- coming on all the time. Yeah, because I do uh, deadhead 
but uh, what type of fertilizer would you recommend? Almost any kind of uh, fertilizer is good for gardens. I wouldn't use uh, agriculture stuff like triple 13 or triple A, but anything that's good for vegetables or roses or flowering shrubs, you know, anything like that would be good. And all it takes is just a scant handful per plant, uh, you know, and did the occasional deep soaking. But instead of just deadheading them, Joe, go ahead and cut those stems that finish blooming. Cut them back, you know, into stuff about as big around as your little finger. You know, cut them back a third or so. They'll come out with real strong uh, uh, flowering growth deeper in the plant that way. Okay. And um, I noticed that a lot of the deep red colored ones, they regenerate quite a bit. Mine are like in between pink and red, not as red. Does that have anything to do with it? It does a little bit, Joe. The, the the guy who developed Knockout Rose, you know, the first one he came out with was great. Then he started coming out with, with different varieties, of different, and, and not all of them are going to be as vigorous as each other. You know, there's some that are going to be, you know, just prettier than others. Some got more flowers than others, just like crepe myrtles. Some bloom better than others, depending on the type. But right. other than a little fertilizer, good soaking, and occasional pruning, that's about all you can do. Great, great. Well, thank you for your time. Hey, Joe, stick something else out there beside it that, that, that blooms all the time and take your mind off of it. You know, something around that, like a little skirt or some other kind of plants. You know, that way it won't it won't be so noticeable. Yeah, I understand. More, all right. More on your more on your plate, my friend. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay, you bet. Appreciate it. Okay, folks, our number is toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven MPB ring. Give us a call. We got the lines wide open. Um, let me see. I want to check if I got any email since we've been on the line. Uh, nope, not yet. I got uh, some, some mostly um, mostly some older emails. But if you want to uh, to shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I'll be glad to answer them as quick as I can get to them. Meanwhile, we're going to take a real quick short break, come back. Again, the lines are wide open. I want to give us a call. We'll be back. Got plenty of time to yak about whatever's on your middle of July gardening mind. Uh, even if it's something you just want to, to, to ask about, you know, I can give opinions as well as anybody. But anyway, Horticulture Cell to Rushing here, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, the Gestalt Gardener. We're going to come back with more of it right after this. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back to Horticulture Cell to Rushing. Um, you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring Let's talk to Davis in Jackson. Good morning. How are you? Morning, Felder. How are you doing? So far, so good. Good. So, really, one of the one of the questions that I have, or probably the main question that I have, is just about general lawn care. Um, I know that we all would like to believe that we can cut our yards, water the grass whenever we want, but I'm I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and assume that there's a, a certain protocol to to managing your lawn. Do you have any? Uh, I guess steps on the best way to, to keep a green yard. Yeah, a, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I realize it's one of the 
most difficult thing. Growing a nice lawn and growing good tomatoes are both pretty time-consuming. Um, and you have to look at it, in order to have a good lawn, you need to look at it from the grass's point of view. This is a living, breathing creature. If it doesn't get what it needs, it's going to shut down. And when it shuts down, other plants, we call them weeds, but other plants are going to take over because a lot of other plants grow better than grass does. So looking at it from the grass's point of view, uh, uh, there's several different kinds. The first and single most important thing you can do is to know what kind of grass you've got and mow it at the height that that grass prefers. You've got St. Augustine or Centipede, they need to be mowed high or else they're going to get real thin. If you want a real tight carpet type of lawn, you need to switch over to Bermuda grass or zoysia grass. The mowing height determines how healthy that particular type of grass is. That's the first important thing. Second thing is to give it a little bit of fertilizer every, at least every three or four years, no more than once or twice a year. Use a good quality lawn food sometime in the late spring and the late summer at the most. Uh, but don't overdo it. A little bit of good lawn fertilizer gives it a slow, steady push without making it grow too fast. And the third thing is that if you can water it, it needs a good deep soaking at least once a month to be healthy. It'll shut down and green back up. It won't be pretty. You, if you water it every two or three weeks, that's better. But watering more than once a week causes problems. So in, in order of importance, mow at the right height for your grass, give it a little bit of a good quality fertilizer in late spring, and water deeply every two or three or four weeks. Those are what it takes to make your grass thick and healthy and have fewer problems with insect diseases, drought, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's pretty much it. Weed killers are a far distant force. If you don't do those three things, nothing else you can do is really going to matter. Okay. And, and that's looking at it from the grass's point of view, not me or your neighbors or anybody. That's what the grass wants. Right. I guess my, my fear is always that, you know, one, uh, as the heat index continues to climb, um, yeah. we run into, you know, once a guy, because we have a lawn service and we have a sprinkler system. So I guess, you know, from that perspective, I'm not really managing managing the the upkeep the way that I should. I kind of, you know, from the commercial, set it and forget it. So the lawn guy yeah. comes and then the water, the, the sprinklers, you know, go to, yeah. I think is about two times a, a, a week. And so from yeah. there, I'm not even paying attention anymore until I start to see brown patches or, you know, I see yeah. that it's taller in some places than others. So I, I definitely okay. appreciate the, the information. Well, let, let, me, let me ask you this. First of all, when I studied turf management in Mississippi State, I took an entire course on that. And I've gone to countless workshops, including at the Scotts Company up in Ohio. You know, I've been working this for a long time. The people who sell stuff are in the business of selling stuff. If you want a good quality lawn, you need to look at it from the lawn's point of view. And the stuff they sell is oversold. I'm, and I, I took the same class as they do. They know that I'm telling the truth about this. There, if you if you look around, there are some beautiful lawns all around you that have never been watered. That'll tell you something. At the cemeteries, at schools, at the church. It says the grass doesn't need it to survive. It needs it for quality. If you're going to have your lawn with an irrigation system, have it where it comes on two or three times a week, but do them about an hour apart and shut it off for a week. 
a good deep okay. soaking, then let it dry out. This causes the grass to have a deep root, watering all the time. And this is not new information. They teach this in turf management. Watering all the time, unless you've got a golf course made out of pure sand, keeps the, makes the grass have real shallow roots that are more susceptible to heat and drought and stress. And then the last thing, if, you're, if your lawn care company is mowing for you, they're mowing way too close. That's what they do because they say people want a carpet effect. Well, we're not talking about people. We're talking about what does the grass want. If you got St. Augustine centipede, mohai, water really good every week or two, fertilize once a year, and that's all the grass needs to be thick, sturdy, healthy, and strong. Anything else simply weakens it. And, again, not my opinion. I'm not making this up. This is what they teach in every turf class across the South. And I'm not saying the people who sell that stuff are bad people, but they're overselling, just like people who sell sugar and salt and food and burgers and french fries and hot dogs and all that stuff. Too many hot dogs not good for you either, so hot dog people ain't going to tell you that. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. I completely I completely understand. Um, with that being said, and I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I live on a slope, so, like, um, you know, we 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 live up on the hill, so a lot of that water that's that's hitting the yard is running off. Does that play uh, a significant role in the way I water? Or yes, yes, yes. Watch how long it takes when you're watering for the water to start running off, and just make a note that that's a little bit too long. So you want to water it where it soaks in. So water it until it starts to run off. Shut it off for 30, 45 minutes, an hour, and then do that again. That second one will really soak straight in deep. So in other words, don't water so much you waste water. Let it soak in. See how long that takes. And then water a little bit less than that a couple of times an hour or so apart. That will really put the water down deep. And, uh, hey, Joe, shoot me an old, uh, if, if you want, uh, shoot me a, uh, an email. We can get a little bit more detail about this because this is really important. And a lot of people think that I don't know what I'm talking about. No, I do know what I'm – I wrote the foreword to the best-selling lawn care manual in the South. But I'm on the grasses side, and that's really on your side, not the people selling your stuff side. So anyway, shoot me an email. All righty. Um, who else we got, Java? We got somebody else on the line? Yeah, I don't know if we're going to get to everybody, but we have Joe and Mobile, Rosina and Braxton, and JJ in oh, Gulfport. So I'm gonna I'm let you I'm gonna let you choose, Felder. Who are we going to, Rosina, Joe, Let's or JJ? Let's go with Joe. Let's go with Joe. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Hello, Joe. Um, I think Joe Joe may have uh, Joe may have left. Okay. Him. Let's go to Rosina and Braxton. Okay. Hey, Rosina, what's going on? Good morning, Felder. I've got a crepe myrtle uh, that is about 10 feet high, maybe uh, only two or three feet wide, maybe three at the most, yep, but it needs right. to get moved. So do I cut it back now and then move it yeah, in the fall? It, it, oh, no, you, you, can cut, you can cut it back now if you want. If you can move it in the fall, let's move it in the fall. But if you want to yes. cut it back now, that'd be fine, too. Main thing is when you move it, definitely cut it back, whether you cut it back now or not. Oh, okay. I can wait till fall after it drops its leaves, and then just sure go ahead and move it. That's okay, the, that's the be, that's the best time on, on for it and for you. Didn't know about the limbs though. Okay, I hate crepe murder, well, murder, but does not hurt the plant any more than plucking eyebrows. Hurt your eyebrows. It's just a style. Don't let your neighbors body shame yeah. you for how you yeah. treat your plants. Okay. 
So okay. just Appreciate cut it an hour later. Okay. Thank you, sir. All righty. Okay, what what you think? We got time to go to JJ and go for it? Let's do it. JJ, what's up? Hi, Felder. How are you? Uh, great so far, to talk so to you good. and uh, hated Java as well. Uh, I have a quick question about shaping my hedges. I've never really uh, done much of it before, so I'm pretty new to that. I was wondering if there was anything specific I needed to do uh, or, or not do to avoid cutting what? when I'm trying to shape them up a little bit. You know what kind of plants they are? Well, I'm, I thought you might ask that, uh, and I'm sorry. I don't really have a great answer for that. Okay. But they're okay. kind of let's, a broad do, leaf, a little do, bit waxy. Let, Okay, okay. Let, let's do two two things here. First of all, get a pretty good close-up picture and shoot me an email with a picture. We'll identify it uh, with, with no problems at all. I might help you give a little bit more insights. In but in general, you can prune most evergreen, broadleaf evergreen plants as hard as you want up until about the middle of August. And I wouldn't prune them past the middle of August because the new growth is going to take a little time to come back. So if you want to shape them up, you can cut them any way you want to. It's not going to kill the plant. But uh, as far right. as shaping it up, there's no problem doing it right now. But uh, let's go ahead and get it. If you're going to do hard cutting, let's go ahead and get that done the next couple of three, four weeks. And uh, right. shoot, shoot and, me an email. And quickly, we the name of that, uh, that, that lawn care book that you were talking about? Oh, no, no. I, I, I don't want to get into that. I, you know, I've written 18 books, and I don't ever talk about them. But uh, I just want to emphasize that I, I, I do have training in that. But anyway, shoot me an email. Uh, JJ, it's real easy. Garden at mpbonline.org. And uh, I can give you some real custom made advice on that. Alrighty, folks. Whew. Had a lot of fun. Appreciate Gus Mohammed doing that Dear Felder, Dear Felder song. Look forward to some of y'all submitting some, some verses at garden at mpbonline.org. Gestalt Gardens production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer, laid back but hardworking, Java Chapman. Phone greeter today is Kevin Farrell. I'm your host, Phil Rushing. I'm going to be thinking of all of y'all this middle of July. Every day gives another chance to give it a go. Take a kid to a farmer's market or to a garden center. Field trip. Main thing is show kids how we do best in getting dirty and surviving. We'll be back with more of the same time, same place next week here on MPB.